Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. As the year winds down, we like to take a moment to look at the year ahead. I'm here with Dynamic's provider head of sector, Ryan Hummel, to discuss the trends he sees being most impactful in 2024. Welcome, Ryan. These are always some of my favorite episodes because it gives us a chance to sit down one-on-one and just jump into our future machine and talk about what we think is really going to impact healthcare and the provider sector specifically in the year ahead. The provider sector is excited for that future, but the future is happening now. It's in just a few short weeks. So let's talk a little bit about the headlines. What trends do you see being top of mind for everyone in the provider sector next year? Our process of research and analysis with the whole team is always a fun exercise. And what's maybe not so fun is to narrow those trends down from many to five. Starts off, as always, with finances. And and the first trend we're seeing in the provider sector is a stabilization of finances. And that should come with an asterisk because when we say finances are stabilizing, we're talking just in the past couple months, a report was released that the average or median operating margin for health systems is around 1.3%. From a listener that may not know, that sounds paltry and very thin, but after the last 18 months of some really brutal financial numbers, we're finally seeing a little bit of of a stabilization. The second piece, it's the digitization of the patient experience. More than half of the patients in this country want a more digital experience with the health system. It has historically been an industry that is more manual. I always say it's like more landline than cell phone, more talking on the phone than text messaging, but we're seeing that shift revolutionarily. And so we're excited about that digitization. The third trend is this idea of accelerating health equity. Also something you've heard in the past from us, and it's really gone through the life cycle of assessing health equity, embedding health equity into a strategy, but now we're actually seeing acceleration in the action. And that is buoyed by a lot of accreditation standards that are happening, and also seeing how outcomes change when a provider focuses on health equity. The fourth one is a continuation of last year, and it's this idea of creating the workforce of the future. We talked a lot about the shortage of the workforce in the past, and now providers are getting creative and smart on how to create and embed technology into the workforce of the future. And last but not least is this idea of changing competitive landscape. And when we say that, we're talking about new partnerships, new entrants into the field. Just a quick stat, 86%, that is the increase in medical practice acquisitions by corporate entities in the last three years, which is pretty shocking. So that changing landscape has different tentacles, depending on how you want to look at it. Definitely some bright spots in there, Ryan. I'm really glad to hear that we're starting to see some solidity back in the provider market, knowing that we've talked on this podcast before about financial sustainability and some of the challenges in the space there, as well as the acceleration of health equity. It's good to see that we've gotten beyond the ideation and the strategy and really putting it into action. I know we said it's hard to pick your favorites amongst these trends, but if you did have to narrow it down, what are the ones that you see really being the most impactful next year? Let me start at the very first one I mentioned, this idea of stabilization of finances. Maybe a better way to put it is this idea of resilience. 
for CFOs and CEOs in the provider sector. When you think about financial sustainability in the in the past, the conventional way to look at it is how are we cutting costs out of the system in a traditional way through process improvement? And by the way, that still is paramount to the success and the recovery of the provider landscape in the United States. But I want to talk a little bit about diversification of finances, because I think one of the great things that has occurred in the last several years is this acknowledgement that health systems have to diversify their revenue streams and their top line numbers that maybe have forced them to be a little more creative. And some examples, more than half of healthcare CFOs are prioritizing this diversification strategy over traditional streams of revenue. And what do we mean by that? Investing in new tools and technologies, non-traditional revenue streams, meaning maybe a buy or a build of a telemedicine specialty What we've seen is non-traditional services, for example, telemedicine, have contributed to revenue boosts for these health systems. Partnerships and mergers, again, increased in the last two years. And that is a financial strategy in itself. One would argue or could argue that the consolidation of systems may not really have patients on the top of mind, but from a financial perspective, that is definitely a diversification play. Last but not least, when I think about diversification of finance is this idea of alternative payment models. We've talked a lot about this traditional fee-for-service model that has been the stalwart of the revenue stream for health systems. And slowly but surely, alternative payment models continue to drive incremental value in the financial statements when it comes to provider reimbursements as well. I think I'm going to go a little bit out of order for the second one. If you ask me to narrow it down to three, Jen, and talk a little bit about this idea of health equity. Health equity in the past has been a little bit of a performative word. Like, what does it mean? And of course, everyone wants folks across all communities to receive equitable health, but government payers, commercial payers, and leadership in the provider sector are all taking steps towards holding their people accountable to delivering more equitable care. One of the best ways you can get a provider to put strategic imperatives around an initiative is if it's part of an accreditation. As someone that has worked in the health system in a hospital before, Everyone always remembers the day when one of the commissions comes in for a full-scale audit. And so folks like NCQA and the Joint Commission have really taken steps to add health equity as part of the auditing and checklist accreditation ways of working. That means health systems have to really think about creating strategies of how they engage with, treat, and communicate with communities that they haven't really prioritized in the past. You think about going out into the communities and determining how folks in low resource areas are engaging with them on a daily basis and then building digital systems around there. Because I think there's been a misnomer in the past that in low resource areas, there is a gap in maybe mobile phone usage. When in reality, mobile phone usage is as high or higher than other areas or other communities. So really tapping in to real facts versus assumed things and engaging with the patients and the families in a really smart way is part of the strategy. And, you know, there's so much underneath that. I'm giving you kind of a general layout, but this idea that health equity is for the future is real. DHA has also released 18 metrics to validate and to track areas where health systems and hospitals can improve a health equity performance. So we're talking scorecards and dashboards 
Right now, it's a little bit of process metrics, but we have seen studies that show outcomes change when there are health equity tactics within the strategy. My third detailed trend that I would prioritize is probably this idea of changing competitive landscape. I referenced a little bit some facts around increased medical practice acquisitions, but I do want to get into a little bit of a conversation about other areas of competitive landscape. If you think about all of these new entrants in the past, I'll say 20 years, I think there's been a little bit of an evolution where health systems played in their own backyard peacefully. If you were a large urban center or a suburban area, you had a catchment area and the neighboring hospital or health system had a catchment area. And most folks played well in the sandbox. Then as consolidation of health systems went on in the last 10 or 15 years, there became more of a fortification. It became more of a competitive landscape. And now what we're seeing in the last two or three years is private entrants are entering the direct primary care and direct providing of care to communities that is really impeding on the patient population of health systems and also taking their clinicians as well. They're, they're making it more advantageous for nurses, physicians, medical assistants, and the whole clinical community to leave the traditional hospital and health system and start solving problems on behalf of these new entrants. And we've talked about these in the past, but it is something that health systems need to put on the forefront if they want to continue to stabilize their finances. Okay. So we started at five. I pushed you to narrow it down to three. Now I'm going to push you just a little bit further. What are the one or two takeaways that you want our listeners to really be thinking about mulling over, planning, strategizing as they make the transition from this year into next year? This is a challenging podcast, Jen. I love it because we only have a few minutes and this is something that requires workshopping and talking. We could talk for hours about this. The challenge is how do you maintain the sense of urgency for these critical few things and remain focused on them so that you are staying the course and impacting change appropriately? As we know in the world, things change on a dime, both outside of the four walls of a provider and also inside. And so it is very easy to get refocused on a new idea or a new strategy. So that is the challenge to maintain a sense of urgency and to succeed or to figure that out. I think leaders really need to be able to choose good partners and structure those partnerships to ensure they're adding value around these trends. That takes investment. That is not something that traditionally the provider sector has done specifically well, and for good reason. Academic medical centers, large IDNs, they have some of the smartest people around, and they often feel like they can do it on their own. The world itself has changed, and so selecting really good partners is part of this, and really kind of pinpointing who they are in the market. If you look at the private landscape inside healthcare or outside in other industries, that's like a primary thing that companies do. Who are we? What's our focus and target client or customer? How do we differentiate ourselves from other competitors in the marketplace? Providers haven't had to do that before, and the marketplace has forced them to change that. Thanks, Ryan, for sitting down with me today to give me your purview on the provider sector. 
I'm looking forward to my conversations in the coming weeks with your colleagues, the other heads of sector here at Dynamic, and then ultimately bringing it all together in early 2024 for our Industry Outlook episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.